Gentlemen, welcome to 20 Good Minutes. I'm Zeeland. That's Ben, and the Euros are still going on. So the, we don't have to come up with, with anything to talk about. All we have to do is talk about the Euros until the cows come home. But I am warning you, we do have a sponsor for the first time ever on this episode of 20 Good Minutes. It's, Jaffa Cakes. Uh, it's, yes, <laughs> finally. No, it's not Jaffa Cakes. But, you know, they're a free promotion they've had. They should just send us a check. Never mind the, the ad read. Yeah, no, oh, it's, that would that would have been nice. But it's not a perfect world. It's a more perfect world. And that's because Manscaped is the sponsor of the podcast. But you'll hear more about that later and how you can groom like us. And uh, we groom well. That's one thing that you know, because we're on camera literally all the time. Okay. First order of business, Sir Ben, is what happened on Friday. We'll leave what happened on Saturday because I know there's going to be a lot of... Uh, singing of songs from the 90s but <laughs> on friday it kicked off with kind of a vintage round of 16 match which was switzerland against spain in this one i'm gonna, I'm gonna to be completely honest with you it broke my heart mm. it wasn't switzerland it was jan sommer versus <laughs> spain and jan sommer lost which was really sad because he tried so hard to make it happen uh, Spain have been the most impressive, unimpressive football team in the history of the Euros. And I'm including Portugal from a few years ago. They keep a crazy amount of 73% of the ball, 28 shots, and they score one goal, which is not even their goal, technically. It's an own goal. What, why is it happening, Z? What, what are they missing? Is it just a striker? Is it as simple as that? I don't think it's just a striker. I think they're missing initiative just from people. I, I mean, I saw... Oh goodness moreno is that the, i think it was moreno, Jared moreno. Came, yeah, he, yeah he's he, the other one he came into the game and he had three or four chances that if romelu lukaku in an inter jersey got he would have scored all three or four of them right like they yeah. weren't they weren't good chances but they were the types of chances that when they happen you go oh you know you make that noise while you're watching the game and you're like wow that could have been that could have been something you know well if he was just a little bit farther there or here they get a lot of those chances and they don't put them away which i guess makes them scary because the one time that i, I don't want to say they get lucky but they really bring their finishing boots i mean spain could beat anybody three nothing i think yeah but they're not yeah. likely to do it because they it's not that they don't have the one guy i mean we've covered this alvaro morata is perfectly talented enough he's a bit fragile mentally uh, in terms of being able to handle the, the bright lights all the time, but he has the quality. They just, it's the whole front area. It's anybody being able to take the initiative and go and actually put the ball in the back of the net. And it nearly yeah. cost them. It's like it's a bit like England in that this is the this is the plan, right? They are planning to do this before the game. That's Luis Enrique saying, right? What we're going to do is we're going to keep the ball. We're going to really frustrate the opposition. And and he he knows what you've just said, right? He knows if they take their chances, they they're going to win like four or five nil. But they don't have that guy. Morata is a one in three striker. He's not that guy. Joe Moreno is is a relative newcomer to international football. Still, it feels like and without that player, they have loads of games that exist like this where they completely dominate but they don't score enough goals. In this tournament, 
when they score more than two goals, they win. <laughs> like, where they don't, they draw or they lose. So it's, it's a case of when that... Because what they can do really well, which is something they, which no other team does because stylistically they're not built in the same way, like England to try it but don't do it nearly as effectively, is when they've got a lead, then the game is over as far as they're concerned. They're like, okay, now come chase us as we keep the ball for an extended period of time. And if teams aren't capable of doing that and aren't capable of pressing then they will win. The, the problem for Spain, of course, if they're not getting that second goal, then they let teams back in. And that's exactly what happened. One mistake versus Switzerland. And it's an easy it's an easy goal in the end for Shaqiri, right? It's just so poor from them. And the Swiss were, were unlucky, really, because Mbolo went off, right? And he was the player that could have really stretched Spain. He could have been one of the problems for Spain. And without him, like Swiss, the Swiss didn't look particularly potent. It was it was difficult. It was a really difficult game for them as well. And the red card obviously just makes that even worse, when, especially when you're playing Spain. Like my word. <laughs> that uh, we we can get to that red card in a second. But missing uh, Brill and Bolo is some something that couples with something else. This Switzerland team also didn't have Granit Xhaka. He was suspended True. for the game. He wasn't True. able to play. Jordan Shakiri couldn't go a full ninety minutes. Haris Seferovic couldn't go a full ninety minutes. Both of these guys were gassed. And I know Seferovic, that's normally a laughing matter, but the dude scored a couple goals against France and was clearly feeling himself. This is not even a Swiss team that full strength. I mean, Spain was more fit for this game. They're obviously deeper, so they're going to be better anyways. But they, like, Spain had more of its preferred starting 11 on the field than Switzerland did. And Spain is a lot better than Switzerland. I think it's really concerning that Spain couldn't see the game out couldn't score another goal could you think about the only goal they scored in the game which is like one of your fullbacks taking a volley off like a deflection around from a set piece and then it goes off Zakar. like it's a pretty routine save for especially considering the type of form Jan summer was in pretty routine yeah. save and it takes a deflection and goes by him that's the only goal they scored in this game and I say that he, he made a lot of routine saves as well. There were so many of those moments that didn't go in because he's just there because they were quite simple opportunities. The one time it's not routine, like, and it's just it's out of his control, essentially. It's the only time they score, you're right. It's, it's alarming for them. I, I think that there will be people that come back at this and say, Switzerland just beat France. You got to give them all the respect. And it's, I mean, you don't really. It's still Switzerland, like right. Like you, you rolled yeah. the dice on this, and the it, you you rolled heads five times in a row, and Switzerland found a way to beat France. But it doesn't mean they're more talented than France. It doesn't mean that this is a Swiss team that's any different talent wise than they've been. Every they make the round of sixteen at every tournament, and then they go out. There's a reason for that, right? They're a, yeah. they're a clear second cut national team. Spain is a clear first cut national team, and they made this so unnecessarily difficult on themselves. Thank goodness. Yeah that Unai Simone happens to be a fabulous penalty saver. Yeah, apparently, right? But it's but it's kind of what we said. The game went, as we said, we said it. Like I, I remember saying it specifically. The later the game goes, the better chance Spain has. If you look at the quality of the players they're bringing on, comparably to the Swiss, they're bringing on Thiago, Moreno, Lorente, Dani Olmo comes on, Rodri, right? These are, like, these are starters for, like, top teams in the world. Whereas the Swiss changes, they're not quite the same caliber, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, like, they're not, but they're not bad players. They're like middling European, like standard players. But as I say, Spain are bringing on some like elite talent to get them over the line. And that ultimately for me, I don't know it went to penalties, but like the mental exhaustion that the Swiss went through, like whether you account this to the penalties or not, like I think, I think it's definitely a factor of then going through all of that and then having to take a penalty in like a hyper high pressure moment to get yourself like calm and also in a position to actually score they like they missed what three of the penalties like that's that to me just says like mentally 
they were gone. They were probably gone before the penalties, and it affected them when it came to actually, you know, just getting the ball on target for some of them. Oh, the, the penalty shootout was ugly. I mean, it started with Sergio Busquets, who is one of those people who I just assume can put a ball into the bullseye of a target anywhere in the goal whenever he wants to. Like, he just has this yeah. kind of quality in terms of his relationship with the ball, and he just Problem is, shanks he, the opening He could do pen. it from 10 yards, but he can't do it at 12. <laughs> so yeah. at 10 yards, he's brilliant at 10 oh. yards, but you go, you go any longer than 10 yards, it's like, oh, Sergio, just, you're just, not quite cut out. He missed the goal? That, that stunned me. Before we... Okay, the, I, the red card, I don't know if we're going to find a debate here. I hated the red card. I know there was, I, I got into some stern debate on Twitter with some people that were like, well, by the rules, and he's going in with both feet. Like, he he took a bad touch and lunged after the ball. I, I he, There was no malice in this at all. There was no intent to injure, none of the straight red stuff that I feel like it should be given. And I think it obviously turned the game because honest to goodness, before the red, Switzerland looked dangerous. They were playing yeah. with swagger and confidence in that nine-minute stretch after Shakiri scored before the red card came in. I thought the Swiss had another goal in them. Spain was a little surprised that they couldn't pass their way to the end of the game. And the red card flipped it. Now, they fought. I mean, it was unbelievable that Spain didn't score after the red card. They should have scored two or three goals. But what did you make of the actual red? I think the, there's, there's, there's two things, right? One, it's debatable. There's a reason you were discussing it because it's not cut and dry. It's one of those instances that is going to be talked about. The key word for me that you said was lunged and lunged always to me suggests that the player is probably out of control, right? It comes from it comes from that. And anytime a player is out of control and he goes in in the manner that he did, he's kind of asking for it. Now, whether the referee gives it or not is is the debate, but you can't necessarily go into the ball in that fashion or go into the man in that fashion and expect to come out without being red carded. And if you do, people go, like, if, if he gets away with that, people go, he could have gone off for that. <laughs> like, it's one of those situations. It's not, I don't think it's, it's as clear. I think it's not clear cut, which is why, again, you're having the debates with people about it. I just think that the, I, I think with the art that's going to get lost and the art, I talk about this all the time, the art of refereeing and playing the game that is different than anything I grew up with in the United States, where if you had, you know, like if you didn't clip your fingernails and one of those goes out of bounds, right, in the NFL, in basketball, right, e even in even in hockey, you know, they will go back and look at it and they're like, look, if one inch of his blade, like if his skate is on that blue line still, then you're onside or you're offside. Like there's no, in there's no judgment of intent or the flow of the game or it is no. it's either right or wrong factually and we can figure it out. What I th what I think needs to still survive in this sport and the the issue is I think it won't because it can't be codified into law is that you understanding the flow and the importance of kind of this moment. Right? Right? Mm. Like you can look at Remo Freuler, right? And you know that he is not trying to do what he ends up doing. Does that but matter? Does that matter? I think it does. I I do. I mean, like, Sung Hyung Min, I don't remember who it was, but he snapped a dude's ankle in half. Yeah. yeah. But he wasn't trying to do that. And, like, it's one of those things where Son gets up and he he puts his hands over his face and he's like, yo, I, I can't believe I've just... Remo Freuler got up and was like, hey, man, you Okay. Yeah, it, it, and obviously you shouldn't be able to lie your way out of making a bad challenge by getting up and trying to pick the person up. That's like the Pepe move. Um, <laughs> but 
I feel like judging in, in, in the energy of the game, the game didn't need controlling at this point. There hadn't been a rash of fouls. There hadn't been shouting matches. Like the game was under control. You know, if this is one of those games where there's been a couple hard fouls in a row and then you get this foul, then I might give the red for it. Yeah. But I think out what, of the what blue, you're asking for, you're asking for something that can't exist. So what? So what's happened is, I won't spend 20 minutes on this, although I definitely could. VAR is trying to bring in that Americanization of yes, no, this is the clear-cut answer. You're asking for nuance. You want there to be this element of common sense. You can't have both. You can't have a referee making like nuanced decisions based on flow of the game and have VAR because what happens in that situation, and every red card is reviewed, they look at that, and the question is, can you find me a reason to not give him a red card? And you have to take flow and nuance and, and context away from the moment. I agree with you. That's why I don't like VAR. I don't like the fact that that has been eradicated from football and will continue to be eradicated from football when goals are going in and, they, and players are like, we can sort of celebrate at 70%, but we can't give it the full beans because we don't know if it's a goal. They, they are trying to find yes and no answers to everything. And, and that, like from what you're saying you thought the game was then worse because of it yeah uh, and if you're saying it's already mm. if that part of the game's already dead because I, I think a lot of the time i mean especially in the western hemisphere if you watch copa america if you watch Concacaf, anything the game is officiated in a very different way even though there's var i mean that is a bona fide yellow 95 out of 100 times in the gold cup and in copa america like the game is just officiated in a different way and that's why I was almost surprised that so many people were like, you know, that's looking like a red to me. And I'm like, I was shocked. I, I thought that when it happened, I was going to get, you know, you're going to get that kind of echo chamber reinforcement of like, oh, I can't believe he's just given that. But <laughs> uh, I, I think that the game obviously can still be officiated in a different way, but uh, it might already be gone. The, the nuance, I guess, especially in the European game, because the magnify, like the magnifying glass is the brightest. Right, the light is the brightest on the European game. It always has been. Like Copa America yeah. is secondary, Gold Cup is like third dairy. It's not even secondary. That's not a word. But the, <laughs> the, you, made the it, you made it believable. Sorry. I appreciate that. I should have just kept going, right? I would just plow right through. The Euros has the brightest light, and I think the the brighter the light gets on every competition, the harder it's gonna be to let those sorts of things go. And I feel terrible for Remo Freuler because this I mean, it changes everything. It changed yeah. the, I mean, how hard is Spain to play eleven on eleven compared to, you know, you have 10 men and Jan Summer had to make like nine saves an extra time. Yeah, there's a reason they had a thousand passes. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's that's going to happen. Um, and for them, like they've, they've gone into extra time there, but they're not going to be, again, that mental exhaustion is not the same for them. They are standing pretty still and passing the ball to one another and not having to, like the, the extra time for them going into the Italy game, which obviously we'll come on to because they've, they've been in Belgium, is that their extra time sort of didn't even exist. It was like a training session for them so it won't it won't have yeah. that like lethargic effect you can't like people will go oh you know Spain went all the way against Switzerland is like yeah kind of like they they just sort of did what they always do and it's not that like taxing on them really no it's I mean, the Swiss were nine behind the ball and a goalkeeper the entire extra time siege work mentality if you were a center back on Spain you probably barely ran the entire extra time yeah, I mean, it. It, you weren't even moving you're just i'm eric laporte's just ticking the ball over getting it past it somewhere else uh but that that's that and then they they win the penalty shootout i have a working theory that seems to have come off and it, it checked out with costa rica at a world cup with the netherlands at a world cup you cannot win two penalty shootouts in a row 
<laughs> right. you just so can't. your theory is based upon just your feeling yeah okay, I get yeah it. yeah I, I i and it's backed up by like every time i've seen it in a competition you just don't win two penalty shootouts in a row i don't know what I feel it like is portugal did it when they won it but you're probably you know what? i don't want to take away from your scientific point <laughs> that you're making so no it's just no yeah. scientific i just think it, it is so much harder to win the second one whether it's complacency because you won the first one or you added pressure because you know how much the kick means because you've just spent the last three days experiencing how much it meant to make the last kick and then you come mm. out and shank the the next one that's i think that's what happened to vargas the guy that missed the last one for switzerland he just skied it he scored a really hard hit pin against france you know whatever yeah I, it's, the, it's the, working the, theory the british just quickly the british analysis on that was hilarious to me because like all these players scored brilliant penalties against france they miss against spain and the commentators are going oh, i don't know why they're taking the penalties it's like no you can't <laughs> then change and be like oh just because they're center back but they scored all their penalties like you can't do this so it was very it was very funny because like part of it as well is those players have come like some of them have come on and then taken a penalty and then missed it they've let their country down they should be ashamed spain win um move, let's move on easy let's enough for spain on. italy belgium which is where i finally got a dose of reality because i had a belgium england final <laughs> and then oh. de bruyne played which was which was fun but man italy just felt too good in this game i, I think roberto martinez is a fraud and I don't like to use that fraud that fraud phrase very very frequently because I think it usually gets usually gets leveled at Pep Guardiola, one of the best managers of a generation. Um, but Roberto Martinez setting Belgium up like 2009 Wigan is not going to get it done against like Mancini's Italy. Admittedly, Mancini. Uh, sorry, I, I actually don't think Mancini was manager at the time. But Roberto Martinez did win the FA Cup with Wigan, beating Manchester City, and he's lived off that for the last 15 years. It feels like, the last 12 years. Um, it, to me, it's it's tactically really naive to play that against play like that against Italy. And Kevin De Bruyne, you said there played, did he? Like, was did you notice him very often? Because <laughs> I didn't. And that that to me was the problem. It was like we have to play him. We can't not play him. And to me, it it was the wrong decision. Like I'd pl I'd be putting someone like Mertens in there. We sort of talked about that before that we thought like one of them would play and one of them wouldn't. And Hazard, Hazard wasn't even on the bench in the end, was he? I don't think he featured at all. Um, they said he was at it, the beginning of the day. They said he was available, but I don't know if he was on the bench or not. No, he if, wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't on the bench. But so, so, and then Mertens comes on later on in the game, and it's like it feels a bit more forced because they have to go for it more. It just plays into the hands of Italy. It, it was again. It was all quite routine. Like when, when Italy scored the fourth, when Insigne, oh, sorry, the second, when Insigne scores in, on forty-four minutes, you think game over, and then they get a penalty. Doku makes a brilliant run, gets a penalty, and suddenly it's like, oh, this, this is this game on, and then Italy in the second half sort of went no <laughs> like you thought it was odd but we've already decided we decided at 2-0 it was over like and belgium never really it felt like had a, like a massive chance to get back in the game if it, it was a very odd second half i was weirded out and i think this is basically what you're referring to by the fact that when you looked at these two teams right you've got old center backs galore because apparently there isn't a center back under the age of 30 worth playing from either of these countries but through the midfield, through the strike, like, these teams are even, pretty much. I mean, slight imbalanced Italy, but Italy doesn't have any superstars. I mean, I'm not a huge Shiro Mobile fan because I think he's he is the best version of a system player. You know, your advanced oh, line pushing forward. Jorginho is a world class. I but don't they? even... I Okay, <laughs> here's the latest. here's the latest fad. Here's the latest fad, and it's happened with Declan Rice, and it's happened with Jorginho. The, oh, team, do this. the team plays well. 
and then I start seeing posts on, you know, Twitter or something like, oh, what a storming game. Like, I didn't even notice Jorginho for 75 minutes this game. And I know that's yeah, just 90, like what 99% pass completion, Z. 99%. Let me give you the details. 99% pass completion. Do you know how hard that is to do in a professional football game? Yeah, well, if I could pass the ball to Chiellini five feet away from me, if you asked me to 100 <laughs> times, I'd probably hit him 99. I don't know what the problem is. All right, Sergio Bush gets. Zealand Bush gets over there. I feel I just, you. There's this fad of like giving these guys credit. I Look, I agree with you in the way that Roberto Martinez, he set his team up like he thought his team was worse. Yeah, he set that's, his, that's it. Yeah, that's he, it. He set his team up like he was scared of Italy and he lost. You can only compare like, I hate to compare every team to England but I think like in terms of quality they're not a huge difference between the Belgian side and the English side and there's there's a level of control that England have that Belgium want to have but they do it in like such a restrictive way Lukaku feels so isolated like, Harry Kane has, has had a similar problem as have quite a lot of strikers actually in these tournaments there's even an argument to say that at, at times Spain have this issue and although they're playing in like, this tiki taka way their striker can often feel quite isolated and that's one thing why I mean, you touched on it briefly right Immobile is so good in terms of movement and being involved and running for no reason whereas Lukaku is a bit more sort of like stationary we talked about it pre-game right this was our big conversation point of where's the battle going to come is it kind of is it going to come from Lukaku or is it going to come from Benucci and Chiellini who's going to be relishing that more well we got our answer I know Lukaku got his goal but Chiellini and Benucci were loving it they were having the best time. They they knew that there was two of them to deal with Lukaku, and it and that's like their bread and butter. They do that week in week out. They love that sort of shit. So again, it was too easy. Lukaku's had uh, like fourteen passes of the ball in total, twenty three touches. Like he's 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 barely involved. Or maybe he's had forty as a, as a comparison. Like he's he's far more involved than Lukaku is. I think ultimately. When you set your team up in the way that Roberto Martinez does, which is, again, it's very passive without, like, real penetration. And that's harder to do without Hazard, right? And he's and he's one of those players that will bring you that. And Doku proved that it's no, okay I... to have... Like, like, someone can do that. He, had, he was the one player who was like, yeah, I can... He looked, he looked at the Italian defence and went, I am, like, 18 years old. Catch me. And they were like, we can't. <laughs> this is, this is, we're, we're all 45. Dude, we is, can't. Uh, he is all gas, no breaks. He made himself a ton of money, yeah. not to distract the point that you're making, but I don't think I've ever seen a player that every single time he gets the ball, he is willing to sprint 50 yards with it at somebody. It's great. It's great. And if you're a fan of the Budgeon team, you'll look at that and go, yeah, more, more of him, please. And there's, there's, this obvious, there's this talk that this is like the end of Belgium now. Like they've had their golden generation. They've had their time. To, to do something there are players coming through Belgium that currently like no one has heard of it feels like but believe me in the next like few years that they will become more evident there's quite a few of them were picked up as like the backups that didn't actually make it into the squad he's gone for a squad of experience really no NASA Chadley's appearance um it, it's I think Italy found it way easier than they thought they would and that I was agree. the thing that I think is the most disappointing like I think Italy went into this thinking this is gonna be a battle and it just it just wasn't like it was it was it was more routine than i uh, that i pictured it to be and that is is that credit to italy or is that literally just the fault of belgium i think it's the fault of belgium uh i think a little unlucky obviously you wish you could have eden hazard but when you watch belgium play portugal you weren't watching belgium thinking wow this is a second rate national team when you watched belgium play against italy 
it was more in hope than expectation. They felt like a second-rate national team. It felt like the Italians were on the top level and in Belgium was on the second level and kind of expecting to lose, but we're going to go out and give it our best. And, you know, we've got one or two players that could make the Italian team, but that's it. like, no, they've got four or five, six guys that could be in and around that team. Uh, and look, in, also part of this is Insigne's goal was amazing. And if he doesn't score that goal, then... Yeah you might be talking about a different game. Nicola Barella's goal was really good. And I think it speaks to, even though Italy doesn't have stars, they've got a lot of different guys that can actually make something happen. They have a lot of intent. They have the opposite of Spain, right? Like everybody on Italy and rest in peace to Spinazzola, who I think that's going to oh, be a big miss that we're going to talk about later because he has just been yeah. so good in this tournament. But Italy, uh, there's a crazy stat. I think it was at the beginning of the game, so I don't know how it held up. It was like 10 of their 11 goals they scored were in four touches or less. Like four. So like yeah. they get the ball and it's go time. They, they win the ball and we're going forward. And there's a lot of intent to score and go towards the goal and a high press. And Belgium just couldn't handle it. They look like a second rate team, but they're not. I mean, come on. Belgium's not done. The World Cup is in yeah. like 18 months. <laughs> Yeah. That's what you've said there, by the way, and we're sort of like alluding to a potential final here. That's the thing that worries me most about a matchup with England is that England haven't played a team that are good at doing that yet. We've played teams that like like to do that. The Czech Republic are a really good example of that, who get it in Go and Croatia at times were like that as well. Italy are masters of that, of getting the ball and going, We're off. See if you can stop us. And it's so it's so in sync. It's so cleverly done. And there's so, there's so much method behind that. And you, you've got, but you've got to be so good defensively at the same time. You've got to be so well set to then know that in transition, this is what we do. And yeah, as you say, they, they, it's, it's where their goals come from. They are deadly. And that's again, I think that would that would be a problem for either Denmark or England. That doesn't matter who no, goes through. It's, really. a it's a, clearly a problem for everyone, including Belgium, who I yeah. thought was going to win the thing, and they are now out but on, on a note if we do get to that final that's where Declan Rice is going to earn his cookies because your distribution <laughs> has got to be great he's got to be able to receive the ball and then get it to somebody else and get it moving quickly yeah. before we go any further though and I know this is something that Ben in particular is really excited about I don't he's been talking about this care package for a week we got <laughs> we got hit up by Manscaped okay we got hit up by Manscaped they sent us these packages and with a bunch of different stuff in it. If you don't know what uh, what Manscaped does here, we've got this we got this little intro read we're going to hit you with. Uh, it's a men's grooming company, which obviously we both need. Ben's rocking some fabulous facial hair right now. I am. <laughs> that is the most insulting thing you've ever said to me, but I appreciate it. The most backhanded of compliments. I am. Uh, Unbelievable. You're, uh, you're, it's, it's really, it's meant, for you, it's meant for your testicles, but you will be using it on your chest based on my, my knowledge. Yeah. So, I, I was going to say, I'm probably the hairiest man east of the mississippi at the at the moment <laughs> we'll, we'll see so europe's best football is back this summer the euros avoid a marowin fellaini bush in your midfield how do you like that writing and clean up your midsection with manscape that's what i'll be doing uh proud sponsors of 20 good minutes right here uh be a proper lad this tournament shave your bits with the best in global leaders and below the waist grooming join over two million men worldwide who trust manscape with this exclusive offer yeah we're saving you money 20 percent off and free worldwide shipping with the code 20 good minutes that's numeral 20 then the word good then the word minutes i do hope you can spell you do that at manscape.com to pick up all the different stuff that we have and what did you get in your box ben <laughs> i got one of them uh i got i, I got i got what well, i can only describe as a ball trimmer it's not known as a ball trimmer it's got they've got official names um the lawnmower 4.0 i mean now we're talking i also got the weed whacker 
which is for those those nose hairs that get a little bit, you know, a little bit intrusive, which are very good. I got, to be honest, I couldn't believe how many things I got. A nice bag. I got a t-shirt that I made Ellie wear in public, which I don't think she's happy about because it re makes lots of references to balls on there as well. Um, yeah, should, do you want to hear the other one as well? This is... That's the weed whacker. Not quite as aggressive as the uh, as the first one. And then, uh, yeah, so a selection of um, uh, anti-chafing ball deodorants. So, it's it's honestly, this is one of the greatest days of my life. So, shout out to Manscaped. Thank you so much. And then the, <laughs> the weed whacker, 9,000 RPM. I, it's scientifically impossible. 360-degree yeah. rotary dual-blade system. I... I definitely need the people that write this to like write my hype videos or something. The way they yeah, the way they word this three hundred sixty well, degree the, dual blade. The, let me let me tell you right the upgraded trimmer that they've got they've brought out recently the four It's got a light on it. Now I've never had anything to trim with. So I'm using it now, listeners. Uh, as if as if you couldn't tell. Um, and the light is uh, is a great. I mean, I'm on camera to Zealand right now. Look at look. Imagine. Picture it now. <laughs> oh, no. Good, isn't it? Like you could do it in dark spaces, you could do it in light spaces. No matter what, you're getting extra light with it. I've ne again, I've never used like a shaver or a razor that's got a lot. Unbelievable, unbelievable. The light, the light is actually a big feature. The whole box is great, and uh, our I, I think the the greatest the greatest trait that we've achieved here is our we we've both been experiencing this feeling of discovery that we have not been taking very good care of our balls for twenty five no, or thirty years. Yeah. At yeah. All. <laughs> yeah, I'll let the listeners decide who's which age. <laughs> we can do that. Um, no, I've I realise now I've been. It's not me. I feel for really. It's it's loved ones. Um, and when I say loved ones, I mean my life partner. I should clarify. Not old, not not different. Not different relatives, obviously. I mean, I mean exclusively Ellie, who is the love of my life. Um, just to be absolutely certain. So now, yeah, my balls feel they're going to be in a different. She's not going to know what's hit her. Honestly, I'm going to come. Well, I'm going to yeah. walk in. She's going to go. What has gone on down there? I'll go. Well, let me let me run you through the details. Um, but no, twenty percent off. I can read a play free by play. You can just hit play. Free shipping. Free shipping as well. I love it. I love a bit of free shipping. Um, no, excellent. I, I I could not be happier. Thank you so much for sponsoring the podcast, and thank you so much for sending me. A life-changing box. That's all I can Ball say. Ball deodorant. 20% off free shipping in Manscaped. Use the code 20. That's the numeral 20, like a two and a zero. Good minutes. Uh, hit <clears throat> hit the target and sure up your D. This Euros with Manscaped. There you go. Got it. Lovely. Yeah. How'd you feel? That was our first ever sponsored read. It had to be Manscaped because we're just some hairy dudes, I guess. I don't want to be sponsored unless they're going to send me something to, you know, sort my testicles out from now. The Jaffa Cakes, the pressure's on. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'd love to see what Jaffa Cakes sends you for that, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Oh. No, thank you, Manscaped. Appreciate, appreciate it a lot. Yeah, very um, cool. Right, should we, uh, we crack yes. on? Use the code, get some free stuff. Well, free shipping and 20% off some cool stuff uh, that your favorite podcast uses already life-changing yes we are i'm we're... gonna say dowsy i don't think manscaped about an ad read like that in their lives <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's true yeah. Yeah. czech republic denmark was the next game and as i said at the time this is the sort of game that would get below average viewership in the group stage and yet somehow <laughs> it was a quarterfinal at a major tournament i found this game tremendously interesting i think what ended up making the biggest difference was that the Czech Republic seemed completely gassed and shit got hurt and everybody seemed tired. I don't think I've ever seen more ex a more exhausted collection of dudes in a long, like, maybe ever. Since the end of this game, the entire Czech team just collapses. Two of them have got their heads bandaged. They just, 
they were beat up at the end of this tournament. They'd worked too hard and they ran out of gas. I think it is a disgrace that with double the population of Denmark, <laughs> I'm, doing the, I'm doing the population thing for you again. Oh, they've not you. beaten them. They've not beaten them. They should have more quality footballers because <laughs> population is what matters. Uh, oh. they've, they've let themselves down. Paper tiger. Um, Kasper Dolberg's finally living up to the potential of a man that was a football that was good seven years ago. <laughs> Every Sorry. football manager player is going, told you, I told you, texting old friends, going, you know when I tipped him to be like the next last man? <laughs> yeah. Well, no. Yeah, humble pie. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a, this is, sounds so patronising. It's a lovely story that Denmark are doing well. Like I'm so happy for them. And I know that's not what they're here for. They're here to win the competition. You know, they're here to prove... That they're good enough what's really interesting about them like from a tactical perspective is that the loss of christian erickson um has meant they've changed system like from that moment they almost changed system and it's working wonders for them they're not again they're not the first team to do this of course belgium play this way england have played this way germany of course have ukraine started like this and going to this three at the back system with two fullback wing backs when you look at it um and they similarly to italy they're so good in transition like and that's what's really impressive about them and again that is what's fearful for me as an England fan is that this team have got a bit of quality Damsgaard has been fantastic like he is oh, the player that I think not many people knew about but he's been sensational revelation and he also looks a lot like me which means every time Denmark plays I get at least 10 tweets and messages saying uh, hey congrats on your Euros goal or assist or whatever oh my yes he does wow <laughs> i'll tell you what his testicles aren't nearly as good as yours oh, right now they're not no i, but... I I'll, I'll send him some of my ball deodorant we'll see how he's, he's doing that's it. freaky he yeah. does really look like he, you. he does like he does young you like he looks like a young you that's wow. really odd how, how old is mikhail domsgaard he's probably younger than me that's what i mean so he looks like a young he's 21 but he does there is a uh, weird my little brother there. my little wow I bet, uh, let me tell you his chest his chest hair hasn't got on you mr shadow oh, let me tell a, you nothing talking about man yeah. okay no, no. <laughs> mikhail dobsgaard i think has been their biggest revelation because he's his energy his he, he has ideas i think that's something that's underrated like he might not score all the goals on the shots that he takes or complete all the passes that he looks for but when it comes to having creativity and ideas and the liveliness when he's out there he's got that in aces and spades and that helps open it up and i think the danes in a non-scandinavian way are very exciting to watch. Uh, like, Joachim mm. Mela always seems to involve himself in, like, I mean, his pass with the outside of the boot to Dahlberg's goal was oh. just saucy. And oh. I don't know if he's fit for the England game, we'll see. But he, he picked up, like, a little bit of a tweak. But what a pass that was. Denmark's fun to watch. I mean, they're scoring goals all over the place. They're flying around. They've got ideas. They're putting pressure on teams. They, I... I <laughs> This game did make me question kind of how good they are. I know that the checks were a lot better than a lot of people thought, but when you actually boil the game down, the Czech Republic was the better team for the majority of the game. Uh, Denmark just had a real cutting edge, and the Czechs had a huge breakdown on a corner defense. I mean, they just lost a guy, and he happened to put it in the back of the net, and that happened. But yeah. uh, the Czech team certainly didn't get outplayed or or beaten badly in this game. And I think that should concern Denmark going forward, but I have a lot of fun watching them. Yeah, they're, they're a very, like, they're a very, it sounds, we do, like, we're football manager people. People know us because of that. They're very role-defined, I, like, I find with Denmark. They're very well coached. They're very well put together. And you can see it when they play. Like, there's there's a reason the Czech Republic had the better of the game and still lose. To me, it, it wasn't, like, luck on, on Denmark's side. They they're differently in control to other teams that we've talked about in the same way like Italy Spain and England have tended to control games 
from like an offensive point of view whereas Denmark are sort of like shadowing you everywhere and making it like you can get to a certain point if you cross this line then we go for you then we get you and you might have the ball for extended periods and that, that makes them really tough to beat like they've not been hammered by anybody in this tournament like, like even Belgium it was it was like it was a weird game it, it wasn't it sort of got away from them quite quickly it felt like and then it's just, it's just one of those things like Belgium on their day are very very good but in this game, it was it seemed quite measured, and you're right on on balance. Like the Czechs had probably a little bit more of it, but it never looked like Denmark were going to lose it. Like they looked like the better side. Do you know what I mean? Like as much as Czech Republic seemed to have the better of the game, Denmark looked like the better team, and that ultimately is I think is what got them through. I think that was it's probably the main thing is I don't think Denmark ever felt out of out of control. I think the Czechs felt like they were chasing the game from very early in the game. And so they ended up a lot of the ball. They ended up a lot of shots and those sorts of things. But the Czechs were chasing the game the whole time. That's probably why they were so tired. Denmark was doing what it wanted to do, even if they weren't outplaying the team they were across from. And I've also really liked Braithwaite. Like, I know he's a meme uh, and that he's just, you know, he asked to be Barcelona's number number nine and got laughed out of the office or whatever happened with that situation. Like, that's just an amazing story. Like, he just seems to, he seems to be the only person that's unaware that he's there just because a bunch of people got hurt at, at, like, one particular time. But he has this determination, and we talk about initiative, where he just takes people on all the time. Like, I don't know if he thinks he's faster than he is, but he every single time he gets the ball, he's pushing it ahead, and he's running, and he's forcing the ball up the field in a way that the Czechs, the Czechs did not have anybody that did that. They had one guy uh, whose name I definitely cannot pronounce, but I'm gonna take a, I'm gonna take a smack. Jakob Youngto, uh, he was forcing the ball ahead, but he doesn't have nearly as much in product as like Braithwaite. I Youngto stood out to me doing that, but just being able to push the ball forward and then kind of do something with it, it's it's intriguing. It's intriguing. Yeah. I think he's going to end up doing something in the England game, Braithwaite, because he just takes he, people on. He, he can't really play like anything other than that, though. Again, so, like, you can't underestimate like, how good defensively they are. I've just gone back and looked through some of the numbers, right? They've got 31 clearances to the, to the Czechs, 13, 14 blocks. And if you'd if you like, if you, I, I encourage people to look up like, how they've done it. The amount of times the Czechs, because Czechs quite a like, presence in the penalty area, the Czech public thought, ah, oh, we'll just keep lofting balls towards him and one of them will break for us and he just never did right like kaya has got eight clearances Vestergaard's got five Larson's got four Christensen's got a couple like every time the ball was put into the penalty area it was dealt with every single time whether it was intercepted or it was, it was blocked or cleared it was so easy for them to defend against what's interesting about that though is they're being asked to, and, and this sort of speaks to the quality of the defender right you've seen these these lesser sides and I don't want to do Denmark a disservice really because again I do think they're really well, well organized well coached is that when teams have got a lot to do, no matter what level they're at, they, they get into this rhythm of we are defending, we are defending, we are defending. When they play teams that are a little bit more clinical and a little bit more considered, it'll be interesting to see if the concentration levels of these players remains. People are talking about Simon Kea because it, like, he obviously seems like a lovely bloke. The, 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 things, the, the stuff that happened with Ericsson was, I've never seen such raw emotion on a football pitch. But he's he's not like a high level defender. He's never had this like big move to a high level team, and there's a reason for that. And it's that he's got maybe sometimes he's got this lapse of concentration that's let him down. I think it's happened in, in maybe even in previous tournaments before. And so there's this this case with him where as a group and as a unit, there's su there is such unity within this side right now, and it, and it's shown most clearly in their defending. But again, against these teams like like in Italy or like a Spain or like in England, they they, they are three teams that I think Denmark will look at and go. 
as much as like the, the, there's things for the other teams to worry about, Denmark will look at that and go, that's not what we want to be playing against. Like that's not the way necessarily we want to be defending when we're chasing for a long period of time. Like the Czech Republic played perfectly into Denmark's hand is what I'm getting at. By, by throwing the ball forward, like constantly, again, you get into this rhythm and again, it, it became a little easy for a, for a Danish side that again, that's what they want you to do. There was never a moment late where you went, <gasps> I think that was the key. That was the key to the game. Even though it was a one yeah. goal game for the whole second half and the Czechs had the ball and were pushing and pushing, it felt like they were pushing against a brick wall at times. And so Denmark goes through and plays the winner of Ukraine, England, which obviously is England. But the <laughs> way that it happened, I think shocked a lot of people because I, I know you went into this game with your intense tactical breakdown of Ukraine and how this game was going to play out. Well, what we hadn't seen was what England did when they almost accidentally score in the first five minutes. Like instead of going out to try and take control of the game and then see where we can, op like where, you know, where will we be able to open things up if you're England? They just went out and scored in four minutes. Yeah, but what was interesting was that straight after that goal, it was like it was like they didn't score it. It was like, all right, we're going to go back into now what we had already decided, and we won't try and push for a second. We'll now just try and frustrate them for the entirety of the first half and. It worked to a degree. It's really funny, right? When you win 4-0, people look at that and go, oh, England have absolutely battered them. And in the second half, there was large spells where England looked bored at <laughs> some point. Ukraine looked beaten like they were tapping out and England looked a little bored. But the reality was that in the first half especially, Ukraine weren't out of that game at all. Yam Yamalenko was, was causing the odd problem. They do keep the ball really well. Their width was a problem. Like I'd spoke pre-game about the fact that I thought England should play the five and they should try and basically do what they did to Germany and force Ukraine to play further backwards. And they didn't do that. They played with a four and England's shape throughout the game was absolutely fascinating. I did a 19 second review on my channel, which was just, we're going through. That's good. But I could have gone, and I, maybe I still will. I've gone like so in depth on why it still suited England to play the way they played, playing the four at the back. Sometimes Rice would drop in and act like a third defender and you'd still have the the, the, like the width Jalen Sancho played a huge part in that and that's where I was worried if we because the, the way that England have plays this 4-2-3-1 system previously is with Mount Sterling and Foden was the, was the way it was working in the early group games and they were very close together or like two of them were and the other one was nowhere to be seen and it was never working like there was never this connection and this vibe and now what England are doing is getting it at fullback playing it inside playing it back going the other way and then asking a player like Sancho in this game to run at them and that's something England haven't done enough of and the goal like Sterling's goal that you just mentioned there comes from that Sterling goes there's a gap there I'm going into it like I'm going to turn you and you're going to have to chase me and by the time they've chased him he's already played Kane in and he's got his goal and he's back to being the best striker in the world again <laughs> he's back to being the beloved uh number nine I don't think England fans appreciate enough that you have an unquestioned number nine in my opinion because there are not too many yeah. national teams that have a number nine that is so undebated i think more so than any other position in a national team you need that one person that's like a striker and there are just few teams in the world that have somebody who plays that role and nobody looks at it and goes well maybe we should start dominic calvert lew in this game you know like maybe we should like even if he's in poor form harry kane is just that guy because he's that good and he obviously knows how to finish that up uh finish that playoff i think once england scored the first goal that's just the best case scenario because like you said, they can just do what they were normally doing, except you don't have the nerves of being in a, in a level game. Like you're you're already in the lead. What fascinated me was Ukraine falling apart in the second half because I didn't see that coming because you were right. 
that this game didn't feel like a traditional 4-0. The goals that England got were just flip it into the box and the the Ukrainian defense was obviously bad. They, they just weren't good. But Ukraine's got a lot to offer going forward. They brought in Sigonkov pretty early. Uh, I love watching him play. He, he was on the same level as Jeremy Doku for me kind of before this tournament. Doku looked better in the tournament, but Sigonkov has that kind of wind in his sails in terms of being a player that's going to be the big club. And a few years. Yeah, and they like they didn't have Mikolinko at the start, but they, they got a couple of chances to score and there would be opportunities where Ukraine looked like they might Switzerland it and pull the goal back like right before the half and then you'd end up with a different situation but I honestly I honestly goodness went to the store and came back and by the time I came back it was three nothing you know like I went yeah. to the store for halftime and came back and it was three and then, and then it just felt over I mean it's it's it, the things that happen to you mentally when you're Ukraine and you've gone farther than you expected and now you're on a huge stage with the whole world watching and you go behind big what do you do yeah, it was, but it was it was interesting the way it mapped out for for Ukraine. Like we could, we could talk about England all day, but for Ukraine, obviously they have that injury at centre back. They go to a four about around thirty minutes or whatever it is, and then there's this fifty. Are you saying there's this fifty minute period towards the end of the half where suddenly Ukraine's shape have changed and England don't seem ready for it? It's like oh wow, we weren't necessarily prepared for this. We'd, we'd established ourselves playing this way. And what was really unlucky for Ukraine, really, was half time, and mm -hmm. England could go in and get, and Southgate could I'm not conceding, obviously. Southgate can go in and say, right, this is how they're playing now. This is how we adapt to change that. And then the worst thing ever happens for Ukraine in that we score in the 46th minute from a from a Harry Harry Maguire goal, and anything Shevchenko has just said about keeping it competitive and keeping it close is gone because the, because they've watched England, I suspect, in the tournament, and they've seen the way that England have played, and they've seen this sort of passive nature that England are very prepared to play, difficult to break down, haven't conceded yet. And as a Ukrainian player, that must be so disheartening to be like, oh, man. And again, the third one doesn't take that long afterwards, and then it's done. The game is done. And then even Jordan scores, which is the best moment of my life. So other than <laughs> yeah, the Yeah, I should, should just set, set you up to, to talk about Jordan Henderson yeah. getting what He's a first goal for England. I mean, I... It's amazing you can be on the field that much and then not score and not be like a, a central defender that doesn't go up for set pieces. But a huge congratulations to him. And a game that really was a, an unclimactic end to what was otherwise, I think, a very enthralling set of quarterfinals. Yeah, I'd agree. It was, it, a 4-0 was the least interesting of the four. <laughs> so yeah. that tells its own story, really. Well, probably true in most situations. So now we have the semifinals, where obviously we're going to have to make our picks. Who do we think is going to win? Because we'll be back here after the semifinals talking about what happened. And before I wind your nerves up too much about England playing Denmark and Wembley, uh, Italy and Spain. And I we the, the, this is just how it happens. We turn everything on to start recording and we're talking anyways and so i already know that we are going to go different directions with this game so i'll, <laughs> let, I'll let you start i want to start by saying i love pasta and pizza and i think italy's great and i would <laughs> I'd love to tra travel there one day with mr shannon and tour around venice and then you know some lovely places there um but i think this is italy's worst nightmare i think there have been games so far that italy have controlled it and looked really good controlling it and been happy and being content and i think we've talked about Spain creating these chances and they will get chances and they've had moments where they've looked really good. I hate keep I hate to keep writing off Italy because it feels like they've just beaten Belgium and that seems really unfair. But the way in which Spain keep the ball is different to any other team in the world. They are trying to draw you out to find little gaps in behind at fullback. And the one thing Italy now have to change is a fullback who is coming in, probably going to be Emerson. He's coming in pretty fresh to the tournament 
I don't know if really, like you can't really plan for a European like European Championship semi final. So it's going to be really interesting to see if now they're ready for for Spain and because I think Spain will look at this Italy team and think there are spaces to like dictate here. We've talked about Jorginho having all this possession and all of the ball, and what you're going to get with Spain is you're going to have to make him run, and that's something he's not necessarily had to do so far in the tournament. It'll be fascinating because if Italy score early, you put a lot of pressure on Spain to score. And that's what they arguably need. Like the longer this game goes, as as sort of felt like the case against Switzerland, the more it plays into Spain are like a viper or a python. They're like a an anaconda. What's the biggest snake? So you all know the biggest snake. Uh, it's uh ooh, anaconda, I think. They are yeah, they are they are that. And they will try and like suffocate Italy to a point of like frustration. And that's one thing we've not seen Italy go through yet. And so it'll be a new experience for them in the tournament, in my opinion. I think Spain will win. I think Spain will just edge it. And I think it will be a shock to a lot of people. So, but you go on, make the case for Italy because you, you're back. No, I, I think that Spain, I mean, likewise, I, these are two of the most intriguing teams in the tournament in terms of the way that they've played. We knew how Spain was going to play, but this is the introduction to the world of how this new Italian generation is going to play under Mancini. And it's been intriguing. And I think the two teams and then England that have been talked about the most stylistically are these are these two teams because everybody's been talking about well Spain can't find a way to score and well the Italians just seem to have this cutting edge to them and they just seem to be in control and in command of of every game what i'm interested to know is you are now if you are italy playing a team that is notoriously press resistant you cannot press spain they, they'll just give it to Busquets, and he's from that long line of Barcelona players that when they're under pressure, just they don't even feel it, right? Like, he he their, their control of the ball is unmatched, and you have center backs like Laporte, who's going to be out there for Spain, I'm assuming, and I rate him as highly as any center back with the ball in the world. And so you have guys that are press-resistant. Where do the goals come from for Italy? I think that the reason Italy wins this is not the reason they've won every other game. This is the type of game that Shiro Immobile loves. Because eventually, Italy's going to get on the ball. When they do, it's not going to be in the type of positions that they normally get on the ball from. They're going to be deeper. Because Spain's going to be able to resist that press. They might even not press every time. They'll come farther back. When they win the ball, it's Chiesa, Insigne, and Immobile. I don't think Spain can deal with that. When those three guys are flying yeah. at the defense, and particularly Immobile, who is the best advanced forward in the world in my opinion like the bed that's just two football manager for my own good really there but <laughs> the best kind of off ball striker in the world like like, like yeah. the, the, if you're just in the premier league bubble in your mind the entire time like a jamie vardy type player somebody that's just when you win the ball he doesn't drop to it he turns around gets into a channel and he takes off he times his run very good goal scorer from all ranges honestly Probably he's more Timo so. Werner with finishing abilities. That's yeah, what he is. Yeah, <laughs> uh, thank you. He's Timo Werner, except you don't meme about his ability to score goals. He scored like yeah. 27 goals in Serie A this year. And so I think that Italy wins this game because of their personnel and not their style in a way that they haven't done so far in this tournament. But I think it sets up perfectly to when they look at the Spanish team. They're like, okay, we have an amazing... Italy's sitting there like, we have an amazing defense. We're going to lean into that a little more. You are not going to be able to score against us, and we're going to be able to score against you because when we do win the ball in deeper positions than we have, we're going to need Barella or Verratti to drive and then just get it to one of those forwards, and they're going to be able to go. Because Spain doesn't... There's no Sergio Ramos back there. 
That's, that you, you said something there which I find really interesting, and I think that is the I think it's the crux of the game. You said Italy are going to lean into the, the more defensive style that they've got, and then they've mastered for years, and it's going to be a case of they might lean into it, but will Spain force it? And that, to me, is the big question mark because so far in the tournament, Italy have had an average of fifty-six percent possession in every single game, which is which is high for most teams. Like having that in every single game is high. Spain have had sixty-seven percent, yeah, which is ridiculous so there is and, and in that situation you will always give the advantage in terms of possession to the side that have significantly more on a regular basis and if spain can do that and have 70 percent of the ball 65 percent of the ball against italy you're i actually agree with you i think if italy are going to win the game that's what they have to do they have to have barella and verratti and whoever sits in the center drive through busquets and then turn italy to a point oh, sorry turn spain to the point where they're like our fullbacks have gone forward and we have this laporte and defend and we're not defending and and yeah i think like, the other yeah. center back is pal who's just yeah. not he's not at that level they've, they've scored so they've scored like the same amount of goals pretty much like i think it's 12 for spain 11 for italy and it's going to be a case of now who I've talked about control an awful lot in this tournament and I think I know that Spain are going to have it and I think it's going to depend on Italy's ability to counter an ability that they probably do better than anybody else in this tournament I think that's pretty fair to say so that's where the game's going to come down to and it's going to be a brilliant tactical battle I really think it'll be excellent like Mancini versus Enrique is going to be fascinating from just a managerial standpoint and to me these substitutions we've talked about it before they're not making either side that much weaker. Like Italy do have that depth that we've not seen other teams have against Spain necessarily. So when Italy decide to change it, they're not getting that much worse. And when Spain decide to change it, they're not getting that much worse. So it'll, it'll be, I think it'll be really close. I don't think like it'll be an easy Spain win or, or an easy Italy win for that matter. I think it'll be really close and I hope it is because it'll, it'll be so enthralling. Yeah, I think I obviously think Italy's going to win. I think Italy could win in a blowout. But it wouldn't be, That'd be amazing. It, it wouldn't be a oh. blowout in terms of controlling the ball. It would be a blowout in terms of incisive one, two touch play up in the counter. I just, I mean, Spain hasn't played a team that can get because Croatia is the best team Spain has played, right? And Croatia is not blowing you away on the counter, right? They're playing mm -hmm. a much more methodical game than than Italy is willing to play. And I know that Emerson playing at left back is going to be it's going to be a completely different game than than having Spinazzola out there. Spinazzola is just was pure world class all tournament. Whether he is normally at Roma, obviously, has been a question, but he's certainly a guy that was just kind of coming into his own, and it's a real shame that he's not there. And Emerson is a full step down the staircase from where Spinazzola was playing. But the Italians might be the best countering team in the world on paper outside of the French, because the French are the best team in the world on paper and everything, but they're already out of the tournament. So yeah. the the Italians, I would if I was Spain, would scare me. And I, I, think, I think that Italy's going to win because they score their goals off the counter. They're just going to have to do it from deeper, which means Ciro Mobile is going to be more in his element. I think it makes him dangerous. If he scores his goals, I think they can put a couple through Spain. I really do. It'd be it'd be amazing if if like if Italy so right now England are favourites because they're expected to beat Denmark right and this game is quite tight yeah but if Italy destroy Spain they go into that final as like plum favourites no matter how good England or Denmark will have been in that semi final that that would be amazing to see I think, I think it's, yeah. it, it, it's, it's Italy are the favourites but I think like the odds favourites in terms of the bookies but it'd be it'd, yeah it'd be really interesting to see if they can assert themselves or not assert themselves and still find a way to win. I would love to see an Italy-England final. Two teams that have just won every game and just, like, 
kind of blown away the rest of the tournament oh. almost and it would be like yeah <laughs> oh, just that too, if it... yeah. oh. Oh, well before 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 we yeah before it has a heart attack at the other end of the call it, england has to play denmark who is a top 10 team in the world if you believe the rankings obviously and there's no other better ranking system out there so there they are they're 10th in the world population population uh, popu population system. come on pakistan <laughs> where are you anyways i england and denmark I'm just, I'll wind you up and let you go. What, what do you think is going to happen in this game? I think I'm going to win. I, th I think it's, I don't think it's easy. But I think you'll, this is a really dangerous thing to say. Uh, I think it'll be easier than people think it'll be. I think the Danish side is good. I think in terms of quality, there is a clear gulf. I think England do have more quality across the board, whether it be uh, defence midfield or attack. I think England should, again, on paper, they should be winning the game. I th it's... It's interesting because again you're playing against this like this really spirited now really united Danish side and I think it's it's maybe giving it's it's a bit of a disservice to say that that wouldn't have been the case had Christian Eriksen not had a moment right but actually the reality is that the Danes are like this anyway and it's going and this is why they are one of the top teams in the world because this is what they do this is the way they like, it's not that much of a surprise yeah they've changed the system but these those are some of the qualities that make them the team that they are tactically i don't know what gareth is going to do which is which is really interesting he's got two options now he plays the system that worked really well against ukraine and was a bit more free-flowing or he, to me he plays the system that well, the thing is he could do a mixture of both and i think that's probably where he'll end up but he could also play the system that played germany really effectively and to match denmark it's basically how good does he think they are i think southgate thought germany were a really quality side so he played in a way suppress them and then surprise them and against Denmark you're gonna have a bit more of the ball probably you're arguably gonna be dominating the game and does it so so basically what I'm saying is it'll be the difference between playing Saka or Sancho Saka will be a bit more industrious a little bit more defensive minded and Sancho will be the player that will give you something so it'll be, it'll be really interesting it'll be a really interesting battle I, again I expecting them to come out on top how do you see it I think it's going to be very similar to the game that England played against the Czech Republic I think England's going to win. I'm going to pick England to win. But uh, what England's going to see from this Danish team is Dolberg's trying to play off the ball. He's going to be dangerous, right? And all you have to stop is Domsgaard and Braithwaite from getting the ball far enough up the field that the fullbacks are involved. Because if it's Mela and then Larson to a lesser extent, those guys can cause real problems and you end up playing against a team that's kind of like Germany. But to your point, I think he plays to counter that. Because what you talked about, look, this is the same system we've seen from England, from Germany. And what England did against this system previously was, well, we're just going to do it to you, right? But we're, <laughs> but we're going to do it better than you. And so I think England is going to show up with the three. Now, if it was me, I wouldn't do this. But what do I think Gareth Southgate's going to do? I think he's going to show up with the three at the back. I think he's going to play his seven defensive players, and he's going to assume he can get the goal because something that, uh, you know, I, I think is very important here, Denmark's defense is very good in the air. England doesn't score, at least they, they did against Ukraine, but in, in goals that England needs to score against good teams, England scores on the ground. They score from runs that get inside of the fullback and then you can unlock Kane or just keep going, right? So we've seen that from Sterling a couple of times. Obviously, Kane's first goal against Ukraine was like that. So I think England's going to assume it can get that goal 
subbing in a couple of new wingers around the 60th minute the way we've always seen and then look to just completely lock Denmark out because one of the keys to Denmark's success in the back half of this tournament is you can say whatever about their control of the matches or how comfortably they looked Denmark is scoring a bucket of goals I mean they are scoring goals they're scoring goals and they want to they're scoring goals early the most important time right England's going to set up to try and stop that. They're going to come out with their seven defenders, basically, and Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice and, you know, Shaw and uh, <clears throat> I, like, Kyle Walker and, say, uh, Trippier, maybe? I don't know. We'll, yeah. He can throw a dart and hit a right back to put out there that he wants to he wants to use. But I, I think they'll line up the way they did against Germany because it makes sense. And, it, shoot, it's a major semifinal. you got to make sure you defend first. And Denmark is scoring. If, if they do that, and this is where like people will say, oh, England will be narrow again against Denmark, they're expecting to win and all this, we've had it all tournament. The reality is, defensively, there's not a, there's not a massive difference between the defences. Like, again, I've sort of written off Denmark's defence earlier, but it's still, it's still pretty good. Like, again, Stones, Maguire, I've probably got them. Again, Walker is probably slightly stronger. Centrally, Holberg and Delaney is, is pretty similar to Rice and Phillips. There's a, definitely an argument to say it's better than Rice and Phillips on paper. The difference is Sterling and Kane. And as much as Dolberg's had a good tournament and Damsgaard's good and Braithwaite has, has been electric, like there isn't that quality in, this, in that forward area. And to me, that's the big difference that when England have got to take that chance, they're more likely to than the Danes are. And I, th I think that's what it will come down to. I thought Southgate would play the five um, against against the Ukraine and didn't. Um, I think you're right. I think I think you will go back to it for this game. I think it allows him a little bit more freedom. I think the, the most crucial player for England um, in the game will be Carl Walker because I think he's been on the ball he's been quite questionable and I think defensively he's been the best defender in the tournament and that's something that will really catch people off because they'll think what <laughs> but in terms of what he's doing covering for Stones and uh, covering for Maguire and being alert enough without the ball to move into midfield spaces and to give Phillips like 10 minutes off occasionally or five minutes off by moving into midfield and saying to Phillips or Rice just take a breather for a second I'll control things for a short time just you know get your energy levels back a minute he's been a really intelligent like influential player of the team and again it's it's not a position like a right back right sided centre back that you think of initially you look at Kane and Sterling and the tournament they've had I think Carl Walker's been excellent and um, when he makes a mistake to cost England that's what in the, in the final I'll look forward to listening to this back but thank you everybody I'm looking forward to it coming home so it, and on one more point as somber as that was because I don't think I actually got to this before my brain moved on to something else yes okay. I think I think Denmark's defense is close to the level that England's is but where they shine is in the air which is where the checks were playing right into their hands where this defense is not as good with Christensen and Vestergaard in particular is on the ground and if you can get inside of those wingbacks and you can get Sterling and Sancho or Grealish or Saka, whoever is out there, or Foden, maybe he makes a re like a reappearance. If those guys are running at Vestergaard and Christensen, Denmark's in a lot of trouble because even though they're very good defenders, they're not as good with their feet as Walker, as Stones. Yeah. If you, if you can force Kaya to be man-to-man -man with Kane and it's just Kaya yeah. and, and, and Harry Kane, like... So there's only one winner in that in that situation which makes me excited as an England fan because I think we're going to get to the, the first final I've seen in my lifetime <laughs> so it's very 
Why? I've waited a long time for this. As much as like people say England fans are arrogant, we're sort of like we're just joking through it. We're almost like sarcastically going, "Yeah, we're great," because we can't actually deal with the like the possibility that this is actually happening. Like we we can't really. I can't stomach it yet, but it's it's very exciting. Yeah, you know, exciting. couldn't know that feeling, US. CONCACAF Nations League champs. Right. Yeah. The, the gold cup is here, mate. <laughs> You're ready to shine once again to shock the world. <sighs> the shock, and by the world, I mean Mexico. Yeah, yeah let's go. Again. Yeah, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm <laughs> horseshoeing you into watching the gold cup. And of course, the Copa America has also been going on. Uh, ben hasn't been able to catch it because it's at night. But fortunately, I've been able to catch it. It's been a lot of fun. If you haven't watched it yet, it looks like a Brazil-Argentina final. Please check it out. Any more tips, Ben, for testicular well-being? Um, sign up to Manscaped, twenty percent off, free shipping. I, I could not give you any more better advice than that. That is the best advice on offer for me today. Code twenty good minutes two zero good minutes. Use it. Use it. Use it. Use it.